Support for this show comes from Vanta. Dealing with loads of spreadsheets, juggling different tools, and having to do manual security checks, it can be a headache to keep up with today's compliance and security programs. Vanta is the trust management platform that wants to simplify things and bring all your trust-building efforts under one roof, making growth smoother for your whole organization. Vanta lets you automate up to 90% of compliance for SOC 2, ISO 27001, HIPAA, and more. Strengthen security posture and reduce third-party risk. Get $1,000 off Vanta when you go to vanta.com slash vox. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash vox for $1,000 off Vanta. What's going on, everybody? RJ Ochoa here from SB Nation's blog and theboys.com. Hope all is well wherever you are. We hope you're happy, safe, healthy, and that you are pumped to talk about and discuss the 2021 NFC East champion Dallas Cowboys. It is Tuesday night, which means it is time for our weekly roundtable here on the Blog and the Boys YouTube channel. We have assembled a fine panelist of analysts, uh, more like a panelist's if you will. Uh, so we're going to have a discussion about the Cowboys and whatever else comes up. You can also listen to this on the Blog and the Boys podcast network, wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe, leave a rating, write a review. Spotify now does allow you to rate your podcast. If you're a Spotify listener, please leave a rating. Those things are very much appreciated. Joining us this evening at the 12 o'clock position, you know him from the pages at blogandtheboys.com and from the audio stylings of the Blog and the Boys podcast network. It is Tom Ryle on Twitter at Tom Ryle BTB. If you follow him on Twitter at Tony underscore Catalina, you will see Anthony Catalina get so excited when his Dallas Cowboys beat down the Washington football team 56 to 14 down near four o'clock up on the opposite side of the clock as far as the country is concerned on the West Coast, uh, Northwest, I suppose, not the child, um, the geographical direction. It is Dan Rogers on Twitter at Danny Phantom 24. Finally down there, 7 p.m. ish, right when it's starting to get really dark outside these days. It is the one and only light of blogging the boys from Chop Sports, Dave Sturchio on Twitter at Dave Sturchio. Sturch, you are a little bit under the weather. Uh, we'll start with you. Congratulations on making it here. Uh, and thank you for gracing us with your presence. Yeah. Um, get vaccinated. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. No, I, no you do whatever you want. Uh, I'm good, actually. I just got the sniffles and uh, I've been waiting for like eight days for a test result so i don't even know but according to nfl as soon as like as soon as as soon as the weekend hits you're cleared to go so it doesn't matter uh, very, i cannot believe what i just read on on the protocols it's it's insane to me very interesting times in the nfl certainly as far as um protocols and vaccines and whatnot are concerned um but uh we, we have to obviously get started um you know, we were here to talk about the Dallas Cowboys, but uh, about 20 minutes before we jumped on live tonight, uh, if you're watching us late or listening to us late, we, we streamed this at about 7 p.m. Central Time. It was announced that NFL legendary coach, broadcaster, personality John Madden passed away at the age of 85, just a few days after the Fox documentary was released on Christmas Day. I think I speak for all of you in saying that, that John Madden was was pivotal. In developing our love for this game, our love for this sport, uh, a, a pivotal figure in Dallas Cowboys franchise history, uh, very famous games that John Mann was on the call for, the 1995 NFC Championship game among them, Tony Romo's first start in 2006 on the road against Carolina on Sunday Night Football, Madden transcended broadcast networks, called games for different ones. Uh, John Madden was a part of a Dallas Cowboys Pro Football Hall of Fame class that featured multiple Cowboys, Troy Aikman and Rayfield Wright, the big cat, part of that 2006 class that also featured the late, great Reggie White. So a very powerful class, 2006. Tom, uh, you're usually better with words than most of us. Um, 
how, how are you feeling after the, the news of John Madden's passing? Well, I, I didn't exact, didn't quite grow up with him, but I certainly matured in my love for football listening to him. He was the first broadcaster and probably the greatest at making you smarter about what you were watching on the field. There's a, a great clip out on uh, Twitter right now about him calling a series with the Cowboys, with Emmett Smith and, and Troy Aikman and everybody. And he focuses on what Larry Allen is doing. And Allen is just mauling people. And it's first off, you learn a lot about what happens away from the ball with him. And he was, he was funny. He was informative. He was always entertaining. And, you know, then he became the face of, the Madden franchise in, in game video gaming. And it's just, he is literally the end of an era with his passing and the great, one of the really marvelous things that happened that he got a blessing that almost no one ever gets is that he got to see the, uh, the uh, all Madden special that they had on Fox and it's like seeing your own eulogy. And it was, you know, I, I think that's just beautiful that he got to see that and feel the love that football had for him. And it, it's a sad day. It, it's also just, you know, we have to just accept the fact that this is the, the part of the, 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 the journey of life. He had a truly full and well-lived life. And, you know, he will be missed but he will be remembered fondly for years to come. Tony, you um, you mentioned a tweet to us before we started streaming from Albert Breer of the MMQB, um, noting how different generations, as, as Tom kind of put uh, put it, you know, recognize John Madden for different things. You know, there, there's a generation growing up now um, that, that only exclusively knows him as the name associated with the video game. He, he could be a Pro Football Hall of Famer for his contributions as a coach, his contributions as a broadcaster, or his contributions as just an influential figure as far as the NFL is concerned. Um, it, it's, you know, it, it, his story is one that I think all, all football fans need to learn at some point in their lives. Absolutely. I mean, when I think about John Madden, it, the, the ultimate compliment I can give the man is when, when, when you guys think about like the game and you think about commentators and when you think back to like your favorite moments in sports and, um, he's the voice in my head. When I think of John Madden, I think of the man who has pretty much narrated all of my greatest moments as a kid growing up, like being excited for the video game and, and being really young when he was really in his broadcasting heyday. Um, just the stories of my father and my grandfather telling me about him as a coach and things of that nature, just a true, um, a true gift to the football world and somebody that I will be deep, deeply missed and um you know he's you know i'm never gonna stop buying the video games i don't care how old i get and i'm sure mm -hmm. my kids will be the same way and i'll be able to tell them stories and you know like you said he's gonna impact generations on as as long as he has for you know his whole 85 years of life so a, a, a great man lost today the uh, madden video game 
in case anyone's unaware, is notoriously um, not worthy right now. The product of it, of the name it carries. Hopefully, the the folks at EA Sports are are able to 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 live up to the the legendary name that that graces their cover. Uh, Dan, uh, friend of the show, Mark Lane, fantastic follow on Twitter as far as all you know, Cowboys and NFL um, news and nuggets are concerned. Noted that the Cowboys were eighty and sixty in games that John Madden called. If you are a Cowboys fan uh, of I don't know, 50 or younger, you or 50 or older, 40 or older, maybe um, you saw an enormous amount of Cowboys games with John Madden narrating what was happening. Yeah. And John Madden, you know, he had one of those iconic voices. You know, I, I was a little too young to really appreciate him as a coach. But um, for me, you know, as a broadcaster, I just loved, you know, him and Pat Summerall whenever they would be, you know, broadcasting the Cowboys games. I mean, it just had, it brought me, you know, that that piece, you know, sort of like still Al Michaels does to this day. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you know, he just had a, you know, a soothing voice and just just really fun to listen to. And he had a lot of respect for, you know, you, you may remember the season finale, the Emmett Smith shoulder game. Mm-hmm. You know, he just spoke high words of, of Emmett and, and, you know, a lot of the Cowboys players. And, and of course, you know, he loves Brett Favre, you know, and. Frank Frank Caliendo, you know, you know, should uh, you know thank Madden for a jump start in his career, um, but yeah, it definitely I, I I miss I miss the voice. He's just he's a he's an icon to me. Uh, Sturge, yeah, Dan Dan said it really well. You know, when Al Michaels does a game, it does have a big feel, and when when John Madden did a game, it always had a big feel. It was you know it was big, right? Like that. Those are the games that you got your friends over, you got the wings, you got the pizza you know, the penne vodka, whatever it is, you know, and, and it was a big, it was a big game. I mean, and, and our memories are forever locked, you know, in, in lockstep with him. And so we, we've really moved on as a generation. I think that there are other announcers like that, certainly play by play men. Al, Al Michaels is there. Jim Nance is there. I would personally put Joe Buck there. I know a lot of people don't like him, um, but, but there will never be anybody like this. I mean, there, there will never be anybody that transcends the, the different areas of footballness the way that John Madden did. Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, it's it's so funny. All all five of us are sitting around here today talking about the Dallas Cowboys, and I can guarantee that each one of us at some point were said, you know, when we watched John Madden on TV, like we want, I want to do that. Like if we didn't get to play at the next level, like I want to do what John Madden is doing. And my mom, you know, as as kind hearted as she is, she would always say, "Davy," and don't make fun of me. Yeah, she called me Davy. Davy, you would you're going to be the next John Madden, and like she would always refer to that always. And I got a chance to meet John Madden in 2007, interning with the New York Giants, and uh, it was a road game in Baltimore. Um, and he, I, I almost bumped into him by accident, right? And he's like, "Oh, excuse me," and I was like, "Oh, oh my God, it's John Madden, right?" And I was like, "Hi, how are you?" And he's like, "He's like, you should be suiting up." And I was like, yeah, I'm a "Bigger guy," and I was like, "Oh yeah, great." And I just froze. I didn't know what to say. The nicest, kindest man in the world. Uh, you can't think about big games without thinking about John Madden. And and the funniest part about all of his 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 speeches and his things that he would just go on and on and on about. You would always hear Pat Summerall with no words because he didn't have a good response. He would just say, thanks, John. <laughs> and that was it. Like, he just didn't know. Like, he didn't know how to respond because John just went on a five-minute tangent about how Brett Favre can throw across his body or something, you know? So it, it was just – he's such a legend. He is the legend. He's a big, big, big influence on what I wanted to do my entire life. Um, you know, if I knew I wasn't going to play at the next level, I, I at least – you know, I got to try to be the next John Madden, but there's there's really no there's no competition. There's only one, 
and uh, he made everything really special. F Kid Crutch, thank you for the super chat. Says the excessive drawing on screen. I loved it, John yes. Madden. Obviously, you know, with with the you know with diagnosing plays, et cetera, et cetera. Again, it's it's impossible to properly rank. Um, you know, the, the levels that John Madden impacted the game of football. I think, um, you know, it's really touching to hear all you guys share um, sort of your, you know, how he impacted you. I think for me, the, the most iconic line that, that I think of when it comes to John Madden, I mean, again, he is the face of the NFL. He's the face of video games in the NFL, which is obviously a big deal, you know, in today's age. He is the face of broadcasting the NFL. I associate John Madden, I mentioned the Pro Football Hall of Fame class that he's a part of, as the face of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. People love to now try and deliver these one-liners, you know, when they, they give their Hall of Fame speeches. It was John Madden who said that he believed the bus came alive at night and spoke to one another, uh, which which is something that only he could say and, and deliver in that way. Um, so the NFL world has has lost perhaps the all-time great. Um, Adam Schefter shared a statement from Dallas Cowboys owner Jerry Jones noting that he does not know of a more influential person in NFL history than John Madden, and I think that's a sentiment that we would all agree with. Um, as difficult as it is, uh, we're going to transition, obviously, um, no easy segue there. Uh, we are here to talk about the aforementioned Dallas Cowboys. In fact, last time we spoke, the Cowboys had not clinched a playoff berth. They had not clinched the NFC East, and they had not formally embarrassed their division rival in the Washington football team. Yet they have done all of those things since. Uh, the Cowboys 11-4, and 56-14. Uh, Ron Rivera, you know, hope you enjoyed what you had to say about Mike McCarthy, who owns you now. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it is what it is. Dak Prescott's 9-1 and one against Washington. We could rip off a number of stats here. Uh, um, and, and have a good time with it. But we have a number of things to discuss and, and discuss them in spades. We have isolated some opinions from our panelists tonight. Uh, we have separated them into two teams. Tonight will be two heats of discussion related to the Cowboys. And remember, there is an MVP up for grabs at the end of the night. Uh, we got a lot of comments in the fallout of last week's episode. It was rather contentious. Um, there were some some things said that maybe Sturge and Tom would like to you know take back if they could. Uh, but, you know... It is what it is. Uh, is everybody ready? Does anybody have any questions or qualms or concerns they want to address before we begin the official roundtable discussion? That would be where one of you spoke. Thank you uh, for making this, um, you know, uh, you know, uh, I, I, I'm unlimited. I'm on like a rep count. <laughs> you know, I just don't want to go crazy here. Um, okay, so our first point of discussion tonight, before we separate into teams, uh, we're going to start off individually. Um, and the Cowboys, as mentioned, are now playoff bound. They are division winners. They will at the very least host a playoff game. They might host two. They might, you know, we never know what's going to happen here. Uh, it's good to be a Dallas Cowboys fan right now. I hope you all ordered your NFC East champions merchandise. Um, you know, lots of places you can check for that, but you know, always, always check out the Cowboys Pro Shop. Nope. Not, a, not a free ad or anything, but they're awesome people. Anyway, uh, as the Cowboys are kind of locking themselves into where they're going to be, as far as the playoffs are concerned, they can't really lock themselves in for a while. There's a lot that's going to happen over the next two weeks, but we can start to daydream about who we want to see in the playoffs. So we put it to you, loyal audience who's with us live. Who are your preferred playoff opponents in order? I asked these guys this question earlier today. I had them each privately message me their responses. Tom did not mess it up this time. And so we're going to go one by one as far as who these guys would like to see in the playoffs. Now, before we get to each person's answer, I do want to show you all something that Aiden Davis, who is not with us tonight, 
did whip up for us. Right now, when you look at the most likely teams that the Cowboys are slated to play against in the first playoff game that they will play, it is the Arizona Cardinals with the highest level of probability and then the Philadelphia Eagles with the second highest. Now, this is likely going to change uh, based on what happens on Sunday. Should the Cowboys beat the Cardinals, it will really, really make a matchup against them in the wild card round, at least extremely unlikely. And it will make the Eagles all the more likely, assuming things go their way. Um, and, um, you know, if they lose the Cowboys, which they won't, um, it becomes a little bit more likely they could face the Cardinals in the wild card round. So that being said, who wants to go first? Who wants to set up their, their teams and, and make their case? Who's feeling bold? Tom is feeling bold. Tom, your preferred teams that you would like to see in the playoffs, these are in order. So most preferred to least preferred, the Philadelphia Eagles, number one, the San Francisco 49ers, 49ers, excuse me, number two, the Arizona Cardinals, number three. And even though I only asked for three, Tom listed the Los Angeles Rams, number four. Tom, state your case. Uh, well, I listed the Rams because there is a chance they could sneak into that calculation if somehow the Cardinals wound up uh, getting into the fourth seed. But the Eagles are my first choice simply because... Starch is about Dak, to pass out, by the way, just so you know. Yeah. Dak Prescott, is he owns the NFC East. Uh, he, he is, I think, going to just crush the Eagles if they play in the playoffs after probably having crushed them the the previous game uh and that's if the Eagles can hang on which they do still have a pretty good shot even if they lose that game because they're up against the uh the football team I believe next and probably are going to crush them so they would be my my first just because it always feels so good to beat the Eagles uh Second is the 49ers. Okay, Tom, we'll, we'll, we'll leave it there because, because okay. spoiler alert, some okay. people have the Niners listed okay. one. But so, okay. Eagles, you think are okay. the best draw for the Cowboys in the wild yeah. card round? Okay, does anybody want to retort? Okay, so by the way, we have just gotten a, uh, a private message going on here amongst uh, the five horsemen. Um, and Dan, um, not to sell you out, but Dan sent his answers thinking the question was a little bit different. So, Dan, you now understanding the rules here. We had this conversation over text, so it was a little bit different. Uh, but you agree with Tom wholeheartedly, Dan. You want that on record? Yes, I, I agree with his uh, my the order of preference. That's the same as mine, yes. I went ahead and put your name first then, um, you know, as far as, um, you know, this team here. We will separate into teams later. But so, Dan, why do you think the Eagles should be number one? Because I know Sturge is ready to come at you both. Um. I think the well, I don't want the Rams, um, I or the Cardinals. We, I mean, we've talked about this a lot. You know, we don't want to face that. You know, being that fourth seed where we have to face one of those teams. So between Philadelphia and San Francisco, I mean, San Francisco is they're riding hot right now, and I mean, when their offense starts to play, you know, mediocre to well, then I think that makes them a little bit scary. So to me, the, the 49ers worry me a little more than Philadelphia. Philadelphia, to me, they, you know, they, they're a good fit defensive team. You know, they, they can make plays, but I think it's, I think Hertz is just a huge wild card and I, he, he's a good player, but he's, he scares me far less than most of the other quarterbacks that will be entering the playoffs. Okay. Uh, for what it's worth, F. Kit Crutch just said, I want the next opponent. I don't care who it is. Um, okay. So um, I, I like the mentality. So Dan and Tom think the Eagles are the best draw for the Cowboys. Sturch, your response. 
Uh, I think this is ludicrous. <laughs> I, I want nothing to do with a team a third time around. I mean, w- you also have to take in consideration we play them in week 18, right? We end the season there. We can either try to stomp them out and put them out of the playoffs because Lord knows how it's going to play out. Maybe the Vikings or the Saints or somebody squeaks in somehow. So, I don't know. Saints Stretch, not. I, I want to stop you here because I did not prep you guys for this, but I knew that Stretch would be panicked over the Eagles, so I banked on that and I hit. So I feel really good about myself. Um, <laughs> so... This week, we're going to learn a little bit more about the hierarchy of the NFC and the playoff picture. Things are going to crystallize just a little bit more. Nothing will be finalized, obviously, until next week. Um, But the Philadelphia Eagles can clinch a playoff berth this week, which would be obviously be a wild card. So the question that I'm about to ask everybody here is whether or not you think the Eagles clinch a playoff berth this week. In case you don't know what they need, this is a conversation that I had with Brandon Gatton from Bleeding Green Nation on the NFC's mixtape. You can listen to that on the Blog of the Voice podcast network on Wednesday. Uh, but here's what the Eagles need, guys. They need a win. So they have to beat Washington. That That is necessary. They have to win. They cannot get in without a win over Washington on Sunday. Um, by the way, we're going in order here of the window. So the Eagles play at noon. Then in the 3 o'clock window, the Cowboys play, obviously. But San Francisco plays the Houston Texans, and the Carolina Panthers play the New Orleans Saints. They have to get one of those. It doesn't matter which one. They can get both, but they have to have at least one of them. It has to do with the three-way tie, kind of like Ooh, the Dallas Tampa they have to get wins from okay. San Francisco. The San Francisco thing, again, is related to the three-way tie, kind of like Dallas needing the Rams to win. Uh, right. But so they need one of those. Again, 49ers against the Texans, Panthers against the Saints. I think we all think so far these things are happening, right? We all think the Eagles are beating Washington, and we all think either the Niners are beating the Texans or the Panthers are beating the Saints. All right. Finally, they need a – excuse me, I, I need to amend this. Uh, they need a loss from Minnesota. So they need a win from Green Bay on Sunday night, which is, uh, if you were watching, I, I had the graphic wrong. So they need a win themselves, one from San Francisco or Carolina, and a Packers win on Sunday night against Minnesota. We're all rooting against that. But does anybody here, Tom, do you think they get these things? I think it's probably about 75%. Okay, so yes. The, yeah. Yes or no answers, people. Uh, okay. Tony, yes or no? Yes. Okay, Dan. Yes. Sturge. No. Sturge thinks the Vikings are winning because Sturge is a Cowboys homer. Is that correct? No. Sturge thinks the Eagles are losing because Sturge is a Cowboys homer. Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> Sturge, you've been outvoted, and the whole premise of this discussion was based on them clinching a playoff berth, so don't ruin the segment. Anyway, <laughs> uh, so let's all assume that they get what they need, and I'll put this back on screen. This is what the Philadelphia, Philadelphia Eagles need to clinch a playoff berth this week. Now, they are very likely going to be the seventh seed in the NFC, especially if San Francisco gets that win over Houston, right? And we're all assuming that Arizona is going to lose to the Cowboys, right? Right? Going to get head nods from everybody. Everybody agrees here. Even if they win, I mean, all the more reason why Philadelphia is probably going to be the seventh seed. So let's fast forward to a situation where Philadelphia has clinched a playoff berth and are entering week 18 as a secure wild card, very likely the final wild card, the seventh seed in the NFC playoff picture. That would be the team that visits the Dallas Cowboys, okay? It is very possible that the Cowboys are playing a Philadelphia Eagles team fighting for nothing, right? We're basically outlining that. It's very, very possible. And and let me actually take a step back here. Say they only get two of these things. Say Philly wins on Sunday and say they don't get the Green Bay win. Say the Vikings win, right? Let's play this out. Say the Vikings win on Sunday night and that's the only thing that the Eagles do not get themselves, okay? 
that means the Cowboys are in contention for the number one seed next week, right? Y'all with me here? Everybody following along? See? So we there is a world to throw away all the details here. I think you all understand here. There is a world because the Eagles then, if those things happen, they could clinch next week independent of their own game, right? They, they could have other things go their way and clinch. So it is very possible the Cowboys are playing an Eagles team playing for nothing it, it, as secure as the final wild card while the Cowboys themselves are playing for the one seed. Could you have ever imagined that hypothetical, Dan? Uh, I, I haven't thought about it. Um, but, I mean, it, you know, honestly, you know, you say the Eagles are playing for nothing, but, I mean, they're still playing for seeding. So, I if mean, they, so, so if it, in, in this hypothetical, if Philly wins, they prohibit Dallas from being the one seed, but at what cost, right? They, they don't have a buy, you know, I mean, right. They, they, they're dealing, Miles Sanders, Miles Sanders is hurt right now. You know what I mean? Like they, they've right. got to do their best to, you know, to, to gear themselves up for the playoffs. I mean, would it not, if it were the Cowboys, you know, if the situation were a flip, we would be screaming, you better not play Dak. You know what I mean? You better not play Zeke or whoever. Like we would be saying you cannot do this. Yeah, I mean, no, that'd be it'd be great to see their reserves and uh, you know play against uh, Minshew and uh, the Cowboys go after that one seed. Uh, that would be that would be nice. I I haven't I haven't thought about that really. Uh, but Tony, uh, um, sorry, Dan. Kevin says very unlikely we'll be fighting for nothing week eighteen. Totally agree. The Cowboys are very likely going to be playing for something significant come week eighteen. But even if the Packers win on on Sunday night against the Vikings. There's no way the NFL doesn't schedule things so that the Cowboys game doesn't have significance. They're not. They're not going to do that. I mean, the Packers play the Lions next week, but they're very likely going to win. So at the very least, they'll schedule them in the same window. But that would be a pretty sweet situation if the Eagles get a win themselves, if San Francisco or Carolina wins, and then the Vikings win, which opens the world for Dallas as the one seed and Philly being locked into their wild card. I mean, listen, I, I understand uh, Sturch's un, uh, way of thinking, not wanting to play the Eagles anybody three times in a, in a season, especially back-to-back weeks. I completely understand that. But if you're sitting here telling us that the Eagles are locked into a seven seed coming into week 18, we're playing for the one seed or whatever, we still have something to play for. And there's a chance that they're resting their starters. I love that idea. I love the fact that, you know, if it takes the Eagles to come in there to lock in in the seven seed for us to possibly get a first round by, they're going to get taken care of anyway. So for me, I think it's, a, I love that scenario. I love the so possibility. Are you, are you rooting of, for the Eagles to win this week then? Cause they need that. They need at least another win to, to get there. I, I, I'm different. Maybe I'm not rooting for it, but I'm going to let the cards fall as they may. I mean, if it happens, mm. it happens. You know what I mean? So I'm not too, too worried about it. But if that's how it shakes out, then play ball. Sturge, do you not want the Eagles anywhere in the playoffs then to get back to our ideal playoff matchups? I don't want them anywhere in the playoffs. No, mm. not, not. I just look, I know that we beat them up the first time around and I know that 41, 21, the final score to speak. Clear, so I was there. Hear. I was there, um, and I, I, I'm well aware that they haven't been playing their best ball, and I think their coach is a big dork, right? Like, But, like, when you play a team three times, it just, I don't know, it just rubs you the wrong way, and what would be the worst? Like, I understand this team is special, and everybody's talking like that, and I am too, uh, but think about the worst-case scenario for the 2021 Dallas Cowboys, right? If you trip up to Brady, you're going to be like, if you trip up to Rodgers, you're going to be like, man, that stinks, I but. All right. If you trip up to the Philadelphia Eagles on a year that we dominated the entire league for the majority of the season, 
it, we that will be in, like you will everybody will be fired or you know calling for their jobs like that would be the most catastrophic thing to happen to this Dallas Cowboys team at any given Sunday. We've seen it. We've seen the um, Washington football team, the same team we just beat the brakes off of. We've seen that team beat Tampa Bay. Okay, we th- there's crazy things that happen. It like, should come yeah. as you know, Tony. I know that I I've called you Chicken Little several times, John, our roundtables. I think I think the title belongs to Sturch. It should come <laughs> to no surprise to anybody, or as no surprise to anybody, that Sturch's preferred playoff matchups for the Cowboys are the Minnesota Vikings. Sturge cheated here. They're not even really in contention, Sturge, but whatever. Uh, the NFC West loser. And then you also listed the 49ers. Um, so I don't know if you if you mean – you, oh, you meant the Rams or Cardinals as the loser and then the Niners. Uh, and then Sturge has the Eagles theoretically then as his like most feared team that he would play in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah I do. I just – I feel like the Vikings, obviously, if they for whatever reason squeaked in. And like I said, they're about to get – probably pounded out by the Packers anyway in Lambeau this week, so they're probably going to be irrelevant. But uh, Donnie what? has a, a, a retort to you, Sturge. He says, while I share Dave's concern, if you're not good enough to beat the same team three times, you may have not been good enough to make yeah. the playoffs. That's from not the true. That's not true. I, I like you, Donnie, but I, I don't agree with that at all. I, I think that we all know this team, and we all know what they're capable of. We've seen exactly what they're capable of last Sunday night when they put up 56, right? But we also seen this team, a dominant team, Throw up a stinker against Denver, right? You throw these stinkers happen, right? And mm. what better, what other teams other than the Philadelphia Eagles who know us? I I don't care. Look, Dak Prescott's record against the NFC East. I know he's been dominating, and I and I love it. And every Cowboy fan in the world loves it. But you got to have some kind of in the back of your mind, like what if they come out flat? What if the ball doesn't bounce our way? Like that's a scary, disgusting road. I don't want to go on. Tom, uh, um, everybody else before the Eagles. Tom, do we need to take Sturch up the yellow brick road and get some courage here? I mean, like, you know, <laughs> or, like what what do you think? Yeah. Tom? Well, I think what we ought to be rooting for is for the football teams to to get angry and come out and beat them. And then the Cowboys push them right out of the playoffs. So what? Uh, no, they- no, that's you can't have it both ways, Tom. I mean, like what? Like you got to pick one here. Oh, by the way, Vaquero2022 says Dave is snake-bitten by Garrett and crew. You, you are on the money there, Vaquero. <laughs> so, yeah. Tom, you want them – you you Tom, Dan, you know, this was Tom's, you know, order. It's now your order because Tom just bailed on it. Tom said the Eagles were his most preferred playoff matchup, and now, Tom, yeah. you don't want them in the playoffs. I was saying yeah. what that what Dave should be with. Oh, Sturge okay. should be looking for because the Cowboys mm-hmm. could have a chance to bounce them. But yeah, I I just yeah, that would be poetic. I, but I I think I think that I think that the Cowboys will handle the Eagles no matter how many times they wind up facing them from here on out. Just because I think the Cowboys have shown that they are a complete team that they can beat you in all three phases of the game. And, and if they're coming in all three phases of the game, they were the way they were on Sunday night. I think they beat anybody in the NFL in any venue. Mm, Tom, yeah. uh, great point from Kevin uh, here says, how did the Saints feel last year beating Tampa Bay twice only to lose to them in the playoffs last year? Tom, I know I addressed this to you, but I'm going to throw it to Tony because or Tony. Yeah, Tony, uh, because your order is 49ers, Eagles, Cardinals, which means you partly would like to see a matchup against the Eagles. How would you feel about that? Wouldn't it undo, to Sturge's point, the NFC East title and all the fun of this year? 
I mean, yeah, and I think that's why I put the Eagles twice. I mean, second, because because I understand in the back of my mind the way Sturch is thinking. Now, I'm probably not as afraid of it as... Oh he wow, Sturge is calling you a coward. I completely understand what he's thinking. Like you don't want, I mean, we're snake bitten. I don't I don't want to see a division opponent. I don't want to see anybody three times, really. I mean, like you said, um things happen, you know. So I understand that. And I think that's why I put the 49ers over the Eagles. Now, if if things are all things just going by talent or who am I actually afraid of? Um I would put the Eagles first to who I would want to play. I like playing an inferior team. I'm not worried really about Jalen Hurts. I don't think they have the talent or the horses to compete with the Cowboys, but the division element, playing them three times, playing them back-to-back weeks is something that does uh, have a, a, a cross in my mind. Now you're thinking about the 49ers as a whole, why I would want to play them first. I'm not afraid of Jimmy Garoppolo. He's injured. He He's He's playing with um, a hand injury, and then what that puts us the chance we got Trey Lance there. I think, you know, there is a clear divide between the top four teams in this division, maybe five, if you talk Arizona, the Rams. And then that six, seven, there is a, a substantial, maybe Grand Canyon size gap between those teams there. So if, if it's the Eagles or the 49ers, I like our chances. But if you're making me pick like you did, I'm going to say I'd rather play the 49ers first. Um, Thank you. <laughs> I. I give the points to Tom and Dan. I think that they're unafraid. Um, I, I give I give ten points to Tom, eleven to Dan, um, because Tom walked it back just a little bit. Tony, I'll give you six points because you at least are not like totally like you know fainting in fear of the Eagles. Like Sturch, Sturch, I award you no points. Um, <laughs> Goosey, uh, Dan, um, three three games one year doesn't bother you. No, I mean we've we've been through this before. You know, I remember back in two thousand nine. You know, we beat beat the Eagles twice, and then we beat them by when you know, we routed them in the playoffs. So, I mean, if you beat a team twice, it tells you that you're better than they are. I mean, so I'm not. I mean, I, I think Sturch is worried about the fallout of losing to the Eagles, which would be horrible. I mean, don't get me wrong; it would be a terrible end to our season. You know, we'd have to listen to it. You know. That Forever. is definitely that. It's definitely a bad thing, but it's not going to deter me from, you know, not wanting to go against them over a team that I feel is is a better football team. Support for this show comes from Vanta. Dealing with loads of spreadsheets, juggling different tools, and having to do manual security checks, it can be a headache to keep up with today's compliance and security programs. Vanta is the trust management platform that wants to simplify things and bring all your trust-building efforts under one roof, making growth smoother for your whole organization. Vanta lets you automate up to 90% of compliance for SOC 2, ISO 27001, HIPAA, and more. Strengthen security posture and reduce third-party risk. Get $1,000 off Vanta when you go to vanta.com slash vox. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash vox for $1,000 off Vanta. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com.
You know, Dan, you you flirted with it, but nobody said it, so I'll, I will say it and give 100 points to myself. Um, all Sturch, it's like, you're just like, man, if it rains, I'm going to have to take an umbrella. What if it's sunshine? And, and what if the what if it's 70 degrees out? What if you beat them? What, what, if, you, what if you beat them three times? That will be sick. That yes. would be awesome. It was great in 09. It would be great this year. Okay? Man, you know I'm, what, I'm not... Tony? I'm sorry. Chicken Little is your name. I don't want to take a nickname from you. Sturge, Eeyore. That's who you are now. <laughs> All right. Let's move on. Uh, the bigger topic for tonight, the reason that we divided these two um, – or we divided into two teams, rather. Uh, I'm not on the team. I'm an impartial judge. Always objective. I am here as, as the moderator um, on the Blog and the Boys Roundtable, despite the but fact we, that I... We are going to want to hear your opinion on this. After thank you, Tom. Thank you so done, much. Uh, 14 million points to Tom. Uh, so, um, today has been an interesting day. As we were kind of developing the Roundtable plans and whatnot, and, and you know, what are we going to talk about? What's going to happen? You know, showing people how the sausage gets made, so to speak. All the national reporters come out and say the Jacksonville Jaguars and all their loserdom have requested to interview not just one, but both of the Dallas Cowboys coordinators. All due respect to John Fossil, who actually did interview for a head coaching position last year, along with one of the ones we're about to talk about. Kellen Moore and Dan Quinn, both on the radars uh, or the radar, excuse me, of the Jacksonville Jaguars, which would suggest that they will be on the radars of maybe the Las Vegas Raiders, maybe the Chicago Bears if they move on from. Matt Nagy, ultimately, maybe the Minnesota Vikings, Sturch's favorite team, if they move on from Mike Zimmer. Uh, we will see, ultimately, what teams have availabilities at the head coaching position. But this has inspired a debate, or what we are going to have is a debate. Who is more important to the Cowboys, Kellen Moore or Dan Quinn? In fact, I will rephrase the question. Who would you rather have on the Cowboys in 2022? Uh, as I can... Um, Type this out. Nobody ever feels better for me when I have to type things out while talking. Who would you rather have on the Cowboys in 2022? Kellen Moore or Dan Quinn? Now, um, I'm amazed that our Dan here is not Team Dan. Dan Rogers is Team Kellen Moore along with Tom Ryle. So we are putting you in the same slots together, which means Sturch and Tony, you are Team Dan Quinn. Everyone feels good on your teams. Nobody wants to move or adjust or anything before we get started. No, I'm good. Lock me in. Some confidence. You guys, Tom, Dan, you're not feeling good? or Yeah, I'm feeling great. Keep it. Okay. Um, if you are watching along live with us, we would like to hear who you think is more important to the success of the Cowboys in 2022. For what it's worth, guys, I did uh, run a Twitter poll on my own account um, that has uh, a lot of votes at this point in time. 89% of people would rather have Dan Quinn on the Cowboys in 2022. And since Twitter rules all, I will start with you, Tony. Why Dan Quinn? Why is he more important to the success of the Cowboys in 2022? All of our I comments, think, by the way, agreeing with Dan Quinn, by the way. I, I would think just more so it's, it has a, it's a multitude of different things, right? I have confidence in the offensive talent. I have confidence in the quarterback. I have confidence in how... Um, those guys can play, you know, regardless of the coach. Like, I think obviously Kellen Moore has been a huge help to Dak Prescott. But if you think about like John Kitna, John Kitna was a big influence in Dak Prescott's play. He's no longer here. And Dak Prescott is still showing to be a top level quarterback. So I think Dak Prescott 
obviously, and this goes for anybody, um, is going to play better when they have good continuity with their coaching staff. But I just feel more confident that their offense is going to be able to make it work with whoever Mike McCarthy decides to replace Kellen Moore in this scenario. Now, on the other side, Dan Quinn has been night and day from Mike Nolan. Dan Quinn has came in and made this defense look entirely different in less than a calendar year. I think we all thought that if this defense was middle of the pack, this Cowboys offense or this Cowboys team as a whole would would go great places. He has them as a top five unit, and at right now they're leading the league in in takeaways that Trayvon Diggs has made a massive leap. Micah Parsons is being used in all the ways he should be. So I just think the loss of I'm scared of what last year looked like. And I wonder how much it was Dan Quinn, a part of that. And I would hate to see it go from, you know, peaks and valleys of, you know, the worst ever to like, look at this defense be so good to like, where are we going to be next year? And I think Dan Quinn not being around would be a massive impact on that and i just don't want to live in a world where we have to see that happen doesn't want to live in a world he says doesn't want to live in a world tom okay i just am focused on the relationship between kellen moore and dak prescott i think that is key to the offense right now i'm not saying that dak couldn't do very well under someone else, but I am very nervous about interrupting that if I have a choice, because I don't think Dan Quinn is that necessary for Demarcus Lawrence and Randy Gregory and Michael oh, Parsons and Trayvon Diggs. He put them in the right position, but there's a lot of great coaching coming from his assistants on the defense. And I think the Cowboys would be more likely to sustain the loss of Dan Quinn and continue their excellence than they would with, with Kellen. I think with Kellen Moore being gone, there might be a bit of a step back for a little bit that would be bigger than we would see in the opposite situation. And that's just what I'm looking at. I, I love what Kellen Moore has done. And don't forget that, that, we're kind of being influenced in this discussion or, you know, Sturge and Tony are oh! by the Mike Nolan experience. And I, that was just, we, we need to erase that. And Dan, Dan Quinn just has so, you know, he's got such phenomenal talent, you know, uh, you know, he's got people that are, they're at the very top, uh, you know, Dak is surrounded by some some good talent, but you can't say right now that most of the offensive line outside of Zach Martin and when he's healthy, Tyron Smith is is still very good. But you know, the receivers, you don't the Cowboys don't have, I think, honestly, top five, top ten receivers. They've got three very good receivers that are in the upper part of the rankings, but they're not top level. I think the defense, whoever winds up coaching this defense next year, is still going to be able to get a lot out of it just because they've got such a reservoir of top flight talent across the board. All right, I mean, we're talking, we're talking about two defensive player of the year candidates, and Demarcus Lawrence would have been if he'd been around for the whole season. All right, Tom, before Sturch and Dan jump in here. Dan, I first want to apologize for Tom sinking your ship already. So, you know, just – as as a as a heads up for where this this whole thing is going, I, I knew it was coming. 
<laughs> so you nobly chose to be on Tom's team. That's, I mean, respect to you, Dan. I mean, it's the se- you know season of giving. Um, so may- maybe you can carry him. Who knows? But I will say, you know, you're you're the Cowboys down 21 in the NFC title game right now. I mean, that's that's where we're at um, at this point in the conversation. What I would say, Tom, and I want to set Sturch up with this with some commenters too. Kevin says Quinn, it isn't close. F Kit Crutch says Quinn. Uh, Eric Bell says Dan the man. Eli says, keep Dan Quinn. Um, I thought somebody said Don Quinn. That would have been cool, uh, but it didn't happen. Uh, Donnie King says, I, oh, there is a Don. I would say Dan Quinn. He has turned this group of who's-its into a bunch of bloodthirsty ball hawks. And what I would say, Sturge, for you to have the floor is that we have seen this offense have success without Kellen Moore, with this general cast of players. Enough success to contend and compete in the NFL, right? In fact, all we have said those seasons was if this group had a defense, maybe they could do something special. So that being said, Tom, I know you said the new defensive coordinator would have this reservoir. I don't care. I mean, People who have had this reservoir, Mike Nolan, obviously, at the head of that, have not had anywhere close to the levels of success that Dan Quinn has had. So, Sturch, keep Dan Quinn. Give him all the money in the world. Kellen, you want to go? Fine. Later, dude. I will not lose a wink of sleep over it. There's been plenty of weeks where I'm just like, I can, I can, you can miss me with Kellen Moore. Like, I, I, oh! I, don't, need, I don't need Kellen Moore in this offense. Like, we have the talent. If everybody is behind Dak Prescott the way they are and behind the receivers and behind the offensive line and Zeke Elliott, yada, yada, yada. All that stuff that could be done with Mike McCarthy at the helm. Okay, we don't need Dan. Uh, we don't need Kellen Moore. We need Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn is the guy that turned this entire franchise around. You don't understand. There's something. Uh, there's something to be said about like reactions. Okay, reactions and, and emotion on the sideline. When something goes right with Kellen Moore, he's almost like brainiac child. Like I knew that was going to happen. Right? You know, he'll go right back to his notebook and whatever. Boy wonder goes off his way. Dan Quinn is out there. Chest bumping. Did you see him when when Demarcus Lawrence took that ball to the house? Like, that's the energy that this guy brings to this team. That energy was not there. Those players would not play for Mike Nolan or anybody in the past couple years. It wasn't just Mike Nolan. It was everybody that stepped in that office as as a defensive coordinator. You look at Dan Quinn, you see the energy he brings to the team, and that's the reason why we are where we are. Dak Prescott wouldn't be able to go into this, quote, slump had it not been for Dan Quinn and that defense. That defense Um, needs to be retained. And Dallas needs to do whatever it takes to keep Dan Quinn. A couple interesting comments here um, as we set you up, Dan. Sorry, because they really hurt the you know case for Kellen. Uh, Lil Boats, thank you for the super chat, says, look at Seattle after Dan Quinn left. They became average. Some of that is the talent left, too, but and, and everybody left. Um, but I think a, a point within that, Dan, is that not everybody is Dan Quinn. And we know that really well. Chris Richard was not. Dan Quinn. You can't go get Dan Quinn light and expect Dan Quinn results because that's not going to happen. There is only one Dan Quinn. And I mean, a lot of people are saying this in the comment section. Why not let, you know, there's an, there's a question of who becomes defensive coordinator. If Dan Quinn is gone, I don't think any of us know the answer, but if Kellen Moore is gone, then Mike McCarthy takes over play calling or Ben McAdoo with Mike McCarthy's supervision. I don't know. Dan make, make the Kellen case. Although really fighting a a losing battle at this point. Well, you know, I think that, um, you know, there's a good point to be made that the Cowboys have been starving for, you know, good defensive coaching for the better part of a decade. And so the the difference that Quinn has made is certainly something that resonates with us. You know, we're, you know, we're real happy about the play of the defense, but I want to ask you this. Um, mm. What is, what is higher than number one? 
Uh, zero. Yeah, but, Just, you know, for if we're going along certain lines of what measurement. Is, what is higher than number one in the league? And because that's what the Cowboys are. That's the number one scoring offense. They're the number one in, in yards gained. In fact, they have 457 points so far. They're just 22 points away from the franchise record back in 1983. And so we know that's going to be broken. And they won't need that 17th game to do it. So so the Cowboys are fixing to be the highest scoring team in the history of their 61 years, 62 years in the league. So, I mean, that's good, right? So, I mean, <laughs> I th- okay, let's 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 live in this question, Dan, for a moment. Okay. Who is the most important human being related to the Dallas Cowboys offense? Dan, your answer. Uh, the most important, that, that's Dak Prescott. Okay. Anybody disagree that it's Dak? Nobody disagrees, right? We're all we're all in agreement. Sturch is, is handling something, but he agrees. Okay. Who is number two? Any, any, anybody uh, can answer. It doesn't have to be Dan. Who is the second most important human being relative to the success of the Dallas Cowboys offense? I'd say Micah Parsons. Oh, the offense. 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 Sorry, I missed that part. It's, it's Kellen. Yeah, we think it's Kellen. Every, everyone's willing to put Kellen number two here. I would say it's Amari Cooper, personally. I, yeah, I was just going to say. Or Tyron Smith. The offensive lineman. So. Yeah. This but, offense can function without Kellen Moore. Like, that. that's not – like, they score in points. I get it. But, like, like this offense can score without Kellen Moore. That ride, my, and that was unintentional. My, my top three is Dak and then Amari Tyron, depending on the day, depending on the, the week, whatever, the opponent, whatever. Kellen isn't in my top three. All right, who's number one on defense? We all agree it's Micah Parsons, right? We're all, we're all in lockstep agreement. Who's number two? Trayvon Diggs. I would say it's Demarcus Lawrence, personally. I say Trayvon too. It's a toss-up because he was my number three. Wow. Okay. My point is, where, who ranks higher on their respective list? We could play this game for, but who ranks higher? Who's more important, like factoring in players? to the success of their side of the ball. Tony, you have your hand raised. Great manners by you. 13 million points to you. <laughs> so I, I think the way, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like the the narrative or the, my feeling on Kellen Moore is they, they look at it as like Dak Prescott's like training wheels. Like if Kellen Moore isn't there, like Dak will fall off a cliff. I, j- I've, I have a lot more confidence in Dak Prescott's ability to, to continue to play at a high level with or without Kellen Moore, I think this defense has proven, obviously, adding Micah Parsons and Trayvon Diggs having a step up in year two has helped. But who more than Dan Quinn are we going to directly correlate this success to other than, you know, like I said, Micah Parsons and then probably to me is Dan Quinn. I mean, this guy is infused talent, whether it be free agent um, and the draft. It's just Dan Quinn to me has been more of a stamp on this defense than I think Kellen Moore would. And now, listen, I don't – listen, we can keep them both. I'm fine. With, I'm, I'd be absolutely <laughs> in love with that. But at the same time, I, I think Dak Prescott in this offense will be just fine without Kellen Moore. Dan, not yeah, Quinn. I Rogers, mean, to be clear. I, I want to – I wish we had the splits, you know, the, the pre-Kellen, post-Kellen splits because Kellen and Dak have been fantastic. Um, and I think there, and I mean, he, there's a big difference between pre Kellen and, um, you know, without, and, and now, so I, I think maybe we've started to take Kellen for granted. Uh, mm. I, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of um, a little bit confused. Like the Cowboys have just been outstanding, you know, in the, in the one and a half years with both of those together. And 
uh, I am surprised that we're just like kind of brushing this off. Like we could, we could do it without Kellen. And I don't, I don't buy that at all. I mean, it's a this or that, you know what I'm saying? Like RJ said one or the other. So it's not like we're sitting here like, yeah, to be, to be clear, <laughs> like, you know, Sturge and Tony aren't trashing Kellen Moore and no. Tom and Dan aren't trashing Dan Quinn. Just to be very clear here, you know, if, if you have to pick one, you can only pick one of the two uh, to Sturge's point. I would say, Tom, the floor is about to be yours. But the fact that Dak Prescott and Demarcus Lawrence's bet is like working for the favor of the defense here is kind of proof positive that Dan Quinn should win this argument in my mind. But you had your hand raised as well. Uh, four points to you for the hand raise. Yeah. Well, I didn't figure I'd get – I thought I would get three since, you know, personally, so I'm very grateful for the bonus there. Uh, I, you know, 18 I, more for you for, for thanking me. Appreciate it. <laughs> uh, I, I just want to say that, you know, one thing I've heard cited is that a lot of people got really unhappy with Kellen Moore during the bad stretch. But I think there's a whole lot of evidence that that came down to the, the, the Connor McGovern, Connor Williams fiasco, swapping them around, and – the, the receivers just were not on their game during that stretch. Uh, I think there's a very good argument that Dak was really fixed a couple, three games back. He was making the throws. The catches just weren't being made. So, you know, I I, I don't think they, that we – I think that people are underestimating what Kellen brings to this just because, you know, he doesn't get quite as – emotional and jumping around as much as Dan Quinn. I love Dan Quinn's enthusiasm, but you know, Kellen Moore gets a little bit animated out there. He's just not quite as demonstrative. And I don't think that is something that you should be held against him. Um, Sturge, before we come to you, let's, I would like everyone to answer this question. Who has had, uh, if we look at their lowest low in, in, in their current post that they occupy, Kellen Moore as the offensive coordinator, of the Dallas Cowboys, Dan Quinn, as the defensive coordinator of the Dallas Cowboys, who has had a lower lowest point? Kellen Moore or Dan Quinn? Tom, your answer. Just the name. Kellen, probably. Dan. Yeah, I guess Kellen. Tony. Kellen Moore. Sturge. Kellen Moore. Okay, now let's flip this around. Who has whose highest high is higher? Sturge. Oof. Uh Kellen Moore, considering all the points he put up last week. Tony. I still say Dan Quinn. Dan. I have to say Dan Quinn. Tom. I think Sunday night gave it to Kellen. I don't even think Sunday night was Kellen's highest high. I mean, like I know that the points was, but I think the higher high that either has attained is Kellen Moore, to be very clear. But he's also had the lowest low. So that's that's where that's where he's at, you know, at different ends of the spectrum. Sturge. Was it week one? Do you think his highest high, even with a loss? I don't even know that it was this season, you know, because if we're looking at the full body of work of Kellen Moore as the offensive coordinator for the Dallas Cowboys, I, I don't know that I think it's this year because, I mean, he's got CeeDee Lamb now. You know what I mean? Like, I think you could look at 2019, the first three games of that season. You know, the first three games of that year, Dak Prescott didn't have an incompletion in the third quarter. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, like, I, I think, you know, and, and the, the sample size is very different, to be very fair here. Yeah. And m- maybe you guys didn't know that I was thinking about past seasons as well. But I, I just think we, we've seen – the 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 strongest force that either has had i think belong if we if we took the best version of kellen's offense since he's been offensive coordinator of the dallas cowboys and the best version of dan quinn's defense since he's been defensive coordinator and we played them against one another i think kellen moore would win 
I think if you want to put it upon who has done the most with less, don't forget that Kellen Moore took Cooper Rush and beat a team that is oh! still in the, in the fight for a playoff spot. You know what? 50 million points to Team Tom and Dan. They're back in this thing. Sturge, you had something to say. I just want to add on, you know, Tom build off of that as, you know, Dan Quinn does have two players that are in the battle for Defensive Player of the Year. So, I mean, he's got some guys. Sturge? That, that that proves the point that he's got those guys because they're playing for Dan Quinn. <laughs> like like I mean, Trayvon Diggs. But, we, we had Trayvon Diggs last year, you know? So he's playing. But Trayvon better. Diggs led the team in interceptions last year. Yeah, with what, Dan three, Quinn. two? You know, like, what do you have last year? Not, nothing. We had three. To, I mean, well, you know, compared nothing year, compared to this year. So but... he's quadrupled it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, he's playing for Dan Quinn. They're playing better as a unit for Dan Quinn. There was so many questions last year. Under will you remember there was like there was a couple weeks where like well there's an inside source saying they're giving up on this and that and the, you know what I'm saying like there was just there was never that this year that's not Dan Quinn though that's not his like, fault I'm saying or, Dan or, Quinn I mean, comes in and fixes everything he some of that everything. though is is they've gotten like like look, they had Dontari Poe last year you know what I mean they had they had Jalen Smith I mean some of that is like leadership has changed I mean to be clear yeah I guess I mean they did draft Michael Parsons and he came he became an immediate leader. He makes everybody around him better. Demarcus Lawrence is having the, the year of his life, and he missed nine-tenths of the year. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's having a great year. He's making everybody remember exactly why we gave him that massive contract that we gave him, right? And then Randy Gregory, comeback story of the year. Who better than to guide this kid than Dan Quinn? That's I'm just all I'm saying is that the Cowboys' success this year, we all knew going into this year, we all knew and felt that the offense was going to be great. And we all knew that. So the expectations for Kellen Moore were right here, right? And the expectations for Dan Quinn were very low because of what we just witnessed last year. He went up and above and beyond. That's where I'm saying. Like, that, the, the, the flip of it, the expectations were the offense was supposed to do what they're doing right now. They're supposed to put 40-plus on the Eagles and 40-plus on the, uh, the Washington football team and blow out the Giants. You know what I mean? Like, they're supposed to do that. The defense was the question marks. Dan Quinn comes in fixes everything, and all of a sudden these guys are playing like their heads are chopped off and they're all over the place. Dan, your response? Well, I think the offense is supposed to do that because Kel Moore and Dak Prescott are awesome. Um, you know, and Micah Parsons, I mean, I, you know, obviously, uh, you know, I'm not going to argue against not giving Dan Quinn credit because Dan Quinn's, you know, he's fantastic. But um, I mean, I don't even think Micah Parsons needs to know the play and he can still be disrupted. So, I mean, that guy in himself is just – you know, I mean, that guy is, is, is a monster. But so I, I don't really know if, if – I think there's a lot of things. The, the Cowboys haven't had this much talent on defense. So, I mean, it's easy to, to just push it all on, on Quinn. But I really think that a lot of the, the drafting that's been done, you know, even pre-Quinn, is starting to, to, to come into fruition. So, uh, I mean, I think some play – a lot of the – the credit needs to go to the, the talent that the Cowboys now have on defense. Yeah, but there's a couple guys on that defense that when we signed them in the offseason, you're kind of looking around like, oh, man, we got like third round-ish kind of like like free agency wave one went, then two, then you bring in Curse, right? And you're like, all right, right. I guess, you know, but he turned him into who he is today. Like he is now one of the premier guys on that defensive side of the ball. When we signed guys like Carlos Watkins and Terrell Basham, like we're all looking at like, Ugh, how, he came from the 32nd rush defense in the league, and all of a sudden, Watkins is doing wonders. Like, th this team turned around, or Watkins was doing wonders. This team turned around for 
Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn got the most out of these guys is what I'm saying. And like Kellen Moore was fully expected to run a good offense because of the talent that he had already established on the field. We didn't know what to expect out of guys like, you know, we brought in Keanu Neal. We shifted him to linebacker. You know, who knows what's going to happen there? He's wind up playing okay, right? So just everybody has upped their game. Even guys like Anthony Brown, who I've picked on more than anybody else. After that first game, I was just like, look, we got to figure something out. You know, they draft Kelvin Joseph. He had, what, six targets on him or five targets on him for negative one yards last week. So there's a lot of guys that are playing above and beyond because I think Dan Quinn is pulling it out of them. All right, so let me be clear here. I'm Team Dan Quinn as it relates to this question, but more than anything, I'm Team Stir the Pot. That's my job here. Um, And I'm also supremely Team Mike McCarthy. I want Mike McCarthy to get more credit than he's getting. And and there's there's credit to go around for everyone. We can give Mike, Kellen, Dan, they're all, we can give them all their due, okay? So what I will say that has like slightly bothered me because people want to go out of their way to discredit Mike McCarthy has been, when they talk about the turnovers, we all agree that that's the difference, right? Defensively, right? Can I get some head nods? That that's the, I mean, the pressure is, is fantastic, but the, the turnovers they're, they're generating is the difference. Does anybody disagree? Generally speaking? No. Okay. I got nobody here. So we all agree. Turnovers. Does anybody know how many turnovers the Cowboys have in their last seven games? And I'm specifically choosing their most recent seven games to like lend to their defense. So everyone's aware of those seven games, Atlanta, Kansas City, Vegas on Thanksgiving, New Orleans, Washington, New York, Washington. Anybody have a guess how many turnovers the defense has generated in that time? 21. Anybody else have a guess? Sturch is wrong, but anybody else have a guess? Sure. <laughs> I think it's higher, actually, but I'm not sure. I believe through 365 is 14. That's wrong as well. I know they had three in a row with at least four. All right, that's so. 12. Two, four, 14. And then count them up. Seventeen. Yeah. And then I, I think they did. They games, did have a kind games. of a a, a little bit of a, a slow stretch. They, didn't they? So, if, if you guys don't believe me, in this last seven game stretch, they had three against the Falcons. They had two against the Chiefs. That's five. They did not have a single turnover against the Raiders. They had four, as you guys mentioned, against New Orleans, Washington, and New York. So that's twelve. And then the other five, seventeen. And they just had two against Washington. So that's nineteen takeaways, right? In the last oh. seven games. Right, search was close, but you went over. You can't go to the showcase. Those are the prices, right? Rules. Uh, One dollar. Okay. <laughs> so we all agree that's fantastic, incredible, right? An inordinate amount of turnovers. Nineteen over seven games. We'll take it and run with it. You're averaging over two turnovers per game, right? We're down. I feel butt coming on. <laughs> Does anybody know how many turnovers the Cowboys defense had over their final seven games last year, 2020? The final seven games to obviously end the season. This was after the bye week. Okay, now, unlike the most recent stretch we're talking about, they did have at least one in every game. The seven games that we're talking about and looking at here at Minnesota, the win, the loss to Washington uh, to Washington on Thanksgiving, the loss at Baltimore after it got delayed, then the wins against Cincinnati, San Francisco, Philadelphia, and the loss of the Giants to end it. Anybody know how many turnovers in that seven game stretch? Give me give me the same number. Nineteen. Anybody else have a guess? Anybody? Anybody want to do it? Uh I'll say 17. Okay. Anybody else? Tony, you've been really quiet. 21. Tom, you're the only one who hasn't guessed. Peer pressure time, baby. I'll take 18. 16. So three less, but this is not some like new wave thing is, is my only point. Okay. My, my only point is that 
I, I'm not saying Mike McCarthy is the defensive mastermind. That is not my point. But to the point that Dan and Tom are somewhat making, and specifically Dan, so uh, 10,000 points of Dan. The Cowboys have laid the foundation. You know, Mike McCarthy has talked about turnovers, how important they are, takeaways, flipping field position, et cetera. So the turnovers is not directly correlated to Dan Quinn specifically. Again, he has improved an inordinate amount of things. And again, I am Dan, team Dan Quinn in this discussion. But Tony, is that not something that makes you go, well, that kind of ruins my narrative a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, I, I think the talent was there. I think the the base core of this defensive unit was there. I mean, Randy Gregory, Demarcus Lawrence, Trayvon Diggs, there's got I mean Anthony Brown is a contributor. There's guys that were there. I think the difference what Dan Quinn has brought is, you know, whatever you want to chart it and you know, analytically is the the effort he's is demanding the uh the type of swagger he plays with. And then to actually put it to roster management, some of the free agent signings and the things that, you know, J. Ron Curse is the perfect example of that. This guy isn't, he's not your prototypical anything. I mean, he's a six foot four guy who plays safety, linebacker in the box, covering tight ends, covering tall. But do you so, do you credit that to Dan Quinn, to Will McClay, to Mike McCarthy? Like there's a lot of, of you know, places to go here. Right. I think it's hard not to uh, put a stamp on Dan Quinn because I think we've heard even back in April and, you know, in early March or whatever the case may be, that Dan Quinn had his hands all in this draft and every and all the free agent signings. So, yeah, th there were there were signs. But I think the core of this defense, not to repeat myself, has been there. They they've just gotten more out of. The, the people they've brought in on one year deals and they've and they've let guys like Trayvon Siggs see their highest potential. So I, I gotta give Dan Quinn the credit in the sense that more than the turnovers, they look just better as a unit as a whole. I think mm -hmm. the numbers are always going to be skewed, but as a whole defensive unit, they look night and day from last year. Tom, you raised your hand. Uh yeah. four more points here. Yeah, I I think we also need to ask ourselves, well, how much are the other assistants contributing to this? Because I think mm. Tom's out for blood. And and Quinn does get credit for assembling this staff, but I think he's got an outstanding group of assistants on, on defense, you know, like George Edwards and Alan Durde. Durde? Durde? I'm not sure I pronounced his name, and I can't certainly can't do his accent. But this is just – they're getting a lot out of all these people, and I think it's, it's, a, it's a team thing. And, you know – uh, Kellen Moore, I think, has some of that, but I think Moore's influence over his defense, over his offense as an individual, is maybe greater than Dan Quinn's because Quinn has such a really stellar group of, of defensive assistants in the house. Uh, you know that. You know that I I can't prove that, but I think that may be a case we might want to consider. Anybody have anything else to say before I pick a winner? Well. I, well, I appreciate the the help, RJ, and and me and Tom, we need it for sure. But uh, I do think that you know the, Quinn's influence with the with these turnovers. I think I mean we we have three defensive linemen just snatch a ball out of the air, and I mean I and then you have defensive backs looking turn around looking for the ball. I mean I mean I don't know how much of it is attributed to assistant coaching, but I mean you hear them talk about you know some of the drills and some of the things that that they're teaching. I mean. I definitely, uh, you know, I, I think that the the turnovers, we have to give Quinn, you know, a lot of credit with that. Mm, wow. Okay, Tom, you are on an island. 
Uh, Dan has, has left your team. Sturge, do you want to, you know, do you want to deliver a block punt for a touchdown kind of kill shot here? Or, or are you you good where things stand? No, I think Dan and, and Tony have taken care of my light work. I'm going to let Tom bury himself here. <laughs> wow. Tom, any final words? Because you're going to kind of need him. No, I mean, I'm not, not afraid to be the lone man out. <laughs> um, well, um, with that being said, we have a winner tonight. Our winner for the Blog and the Boys Roundtable for Tuesday, December 28th, 2021. Dave Sturchio, Tony Catalina, and Dan Rogers. Congratulations to the three of you. Let's go. Dan, uh, as the captain the of the team, <laughs> how do you feel, Dan? Uh, surprised. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, take a you know call to audible at the right time, but uh, no, I mean this is a this is a tough argument. I mean, we can sit here and talk you know hours about each of these coordinators. Um, you know, I have a lot of respect for Kellen, and and honestly, when you asked me this question, it was more about like who I would fear losing the most and. I think Kellen, I mean, this kid has, I mean, we've only scratched the surface with this guy. And Tom really, he made the biggest point early on with, you know, his relationship with Prescott. That is so important. And so, I mean, I'm, I, uh, so that's why I chose, you know, Team Kellen. Uh, my internet cut out and I missed part of that, but I'm, I'm fine having missed it, you know, so that's, that's okay. Uh, <laughs> I, I would just like to add that that you're sorry you're, for the team you chose, Tom. No, that your job is stirring the pot, and our t- our job sometimes is to take a position to help you stir the pot. Oh Let me wow! Just throw that out there. Mm, okay, <laughs> uh, Tony, as one of the three winners, how do you feel tonight? I mean, listen, you put us in, you back us in a corner, and make to choose this or that. And I feel comfortable with the Dan Quinn, and I don't mean to be, you know, disrespectful towards Kellen Moore because I would love for the lock them both away and neither of them leave. But I just feel like I think I speak more of in confidence in how I feel with Dak Prescott and his progression because, yes, the Kellen Moore and him working together relationship has been a huge factor. But I also think you also got to put credit where it's due because Dak Prescott is a hell of a football player who has progressed throughout his career. And I feel confident that if it wasn't Kellen Moore and it was the next guy, he would still be able to flourish. Mm. Uh, Well said. Sturge, uh, I'm going to throw it to you for our final question, a different one than Tony and Dan guy. We're going to go back around the band. It's quick you know, rapid fire sort of situation. Uh, so it's going to go Sturch, Tony, Dan, Tom, AKA the lone loser for tonight. Tom, you Oof. can't win them all. Uh, Sturch score prediction for Cowboys Cardinals Sunday afternoon. Go for it. 33 to 20, the Dallas Cowboys win. All right. Antonio, Anthony. Give me 27, 20 Cowboys. Mm, you guys both going 20. Interesting. It's like you rehearsed uh, this. Dan. Uh, 27, 23 Cowboys. Ooh. Okay. All right. Tom. 41 17 Cowboys. Look at oh, this guy. Go. Oh my <laughs> gosh. 41. What's going on here, Tom? We getting a missed extra point? Um, like, what's how are we getting to 41? No, they're, they're going to. Two field goals? They're, they're going to have a couple field goals. One at the end of the year. Uh, wow, first no faith in the offense. And you down. pick Kellen Moore and you got to settle for three. <laughs> Perfect. Wow. Um, all right. Anybody have anything that if, if they don't say it, Right now, you will not sleep for the rest of the week. Anybody have anything? Anything can be anything about it all. About I, I just think that, uh, you know, I don't really know your point system, RJ, but I think tonight you should award a turducken 
in honor of uh, oh, John Madden. I like, I like that a lot. You know I like what? Uh, I am going to award a turducken. Uh, John Madden gets the turducken, obviously. But we're going to hand out one turducken here to one of our fantastic panelists. Uh, again, the turducken belongs to John Madden, to be very, very, very clear here. Uh, our turducken, does anybody have a, somebody they want to vote for? One of your fellow analysts? Anybody feeling noble? Feeling selfless? I, uh, I, I, it's, it's still, to me, it's still the holidays. I, I, I feel a little bad for Tom being on that island by himself. I say he gets the turducken for the night. Mm. Dan? Yeah, let's give it to Tom. Tony? I want to give it a stretch for playing with this flu game. So I don't know. I like it. Like <laughs> 55 with the flu, baby. Um, you know, I wanted to give it to Tony, if I'm being honest, for, for my favorite line so far. I'm not, uh, but <laughs> so far, my favorite line so far. Uh, throughout our roundtables a few weeks ago when he said he wanted to see the Philadelphia Eagles in the playoffs purely out of disrespect. I loved that line. Um, but so that we can have a room full of winners, our turducken goes to Tom Ryle, the GOAT. Tom, congratulations. How are you planning on celebrating? Oh, stuffing myself senseless, of course. Have you ever had a turducken, Tom? Actually, no, I haven't. Has anybody here ever had one? RJ, I know you haven't. You haven't even had penny vodka. So. Um, I have not had penny vodka. I've not had the traducan, but I am about to eat some Christmas tamales, and they're going to be fantastic. Um, oh, all right. Um, anything else? Anybody have any? Dan had a good anything else. Dan, you are a mini turducken winner here tonight. Anybody have anything else? Speak now, forever hold your peace. I don't want to toot my own horn. It, and this is how it goes with this team, so I'm happy to even bring this up. But I predicted us... Before the season started to go 13 and four, and I was called crazy. And look at us here, man. I'll tell you what, this year has been awesome. It's been a great season. I would love to be right, but more so just because I would love to see the Cowboys be 13 and four, and let's get this one seed. Yeah, let's go, Vikings. We're all putting our hope and, and love and affection in the hands of Kirk Cousins. What could go wrong? So, um, all right, that's it. Everybody, whatever you're eating for dinner, whether it's tamales, turducken, um, Tony, what did you have? Pasta? Or already, I know you on the East Coast. <laughs> there, All right. Well, Tony already ate. That's what I'm saying. He told us he had some pasta earlier. So um, that does it for the blog and the boys roundtable. It's time to get to 12 and 4, which used to be an awesome record, but now it's not enough. We'll see you all next Tuesday. Thanks for joining us. Tom, Turducken, the GOAT. Final word belongs to you. Once more, RIP to John Madden.